as ice further along the lead shifted and broke. The man did not turn toward the sound, but sat calmly, his face set to the west and into the wind, waiting for the ringed seal to surface once more among the chunks of floating ice. Nyack raised his head to breathe again, this time only about fifteen yards away from the boat. The hunter did not hesitate, but raised his rifle to his shoulder and fired a single shot. The seal's head dipped back down, one black flipper slapping the water. Then the length of its body rose to the surface, wriggling in its death throes. The Eskimo had already yanked the engine's rope, turning his boat sharply toward the dying seal. He moved up on it quickly while laying his rifle down, trading it for the harpoon in the bottom of the boat. If he was not fast enough, Nyack would sink and be lost. The waste would shame the hunter. The harpoon was six feet long, weighted at one end with an ivory cap. A thin nylon cord threaded through a hole carved in the ivory connected the steel point to the harpoon's tip. When he was close enough to see the ribbon of blood spreading from Nyack's still body, the Eskimo cut the outboard motor and quickly lifted the harpoon above his head, driving it into the ringed seal. The point stuck, and he grabbed the line tied to his harpoon. Now he could rest a moment. He looked at the seal floating beside his boat. This one was good-sized, almost six feet long and probably weighing 160 pounds. The fur on its back was tan, the color of old ivory, and around the belly it turned lighter. There were several wide, pale rings of fur from which it got its name. When he eventually returned to his village, his wife would skin and butcher the ringed seal, melting the blubber into oil. The meat would be cut into long, thick strips and dried. She might save him the whiskers for a new mask he could carve after hunting, and before the time to fish. The old hunter would tack the skin to the side of their house, where it would dry and eventually be used for mucklucks, perhaps for their newest grandchild. The hunter smiled. He pulled the line taut until the seal gently bumped the boat's side. Reaching over, he grabbed one of the flippers and began pulling the seal into the boat. The old Yupik was still strong, and a Nyack was not all that big. If this was his cousin, a Mirkuk, it would be a different story. Bearded seals could be three times as big. When he had the seal on board, he carefully moved to the boat's middle seat, to be near Nyack's head. He unscrewed the lid of a thermos and poured water into a cup. Gently cradling the seal's head with one hand, forcing open its mouth, he poured in the cup of fresh water. Koyana, Nayak, thank you for choosing me. Thank you for coming to my boat and giving yourself to me. Drink, because you will be thirsty before your trip is over. And when you next see your brothers, tell them of the respect this hunter gives to you. From a second thermos, 
The old man poured coffee for himself. He sipped it slowly, watching the ice, the sea, and the sky as he drank. When he was done, he rinsed his cup over the side and started up the engine, turning his boat back toward shore. He did not have to admit to anyone that he was tired, but he was, and the cold was beginning to reach him. He pulled on his fur mittens as he steered. Maybe he would have some soup and pilot bread, and after that, a nap. Later, he would come out on the water again. When he drew near the solid ice extending out from the shore, he gunned the motor, driving his boat up onto the ice. Killing the engine, he quickly jumped out and grabbed the bow, pulling the boat until it was safely on thicker ice.